we get to participate in what God is doing. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Gracious God, give us your ears to hear and your heart to receive your word this day. In your son's name, amen. You've probably heard this children's rhyme before, or maybe you've taught it to a child. At 9.30, I did it by myself, so if you want to join me, you can, because I felt a little silly. But it's the itsy-bitsy spider went up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain, and the itsy-bitsy spider went up the spout again. I love this. It's a well-known rhyme, and it was written actually in 1910. The words had to be changed because it wasn't very child-friendly to begin with, so itsy-bitsy was added a little bit later. It's a rhyme that's taught throughout our world still to children, and the reason why there's this action And this is so that they can learn how to cognitively, and I guess it's called locomotive skill set. Teachers, help me out. But it does this together so that the children can learn different ways of remembering this. And for me, I learned it as a child. And I learned it and kept it in my heart, I really think, because I found it to be very encouraging. As I got older, I would memorize it and kind of repeat it to myself during some of life's challenging moments. Because if you think about it, it's actually very encouraging. Here's this little spider attempting to climb up this very tall downspout. That in itself is quite a task. The rain comes, knocks him out down to the bottom. He's got to do it again. And then the hope of the sunshine comes, dries it up, and he tries it again. So for me, this is a picture of perseverance. And I think we can learn a lot from watching the spider. Perseverance is a necessary component to overcoming our obstacles. Perseverance is our faith, and it teaches us to lean into our relationship with the Lord. So that in times of struggle, we don't want our first response to be that of fear. We want our first response to be that of gratitude. Scripture teaches us not to fear and that we're not supposed to fear. And people struggle with this because they, we've had conversations recently, is it sin to fear? Is it not sin to fear? And one thing Miriam Henson told me recently, she said there's a difference between fear and phobia. When we were studying this chapter in this book, and I thought, oh, okay, I like that, because then that helps me reconcile with the scriptures. But if you Google search how many times do not fear is in the Bible, you will come up with all different kinds of answers. Some would say 365, one for every day of the year. Some would say less. Some parcel it out, fear of this, fear of that. But regardless of how many times it's written in the Bible, I think the fact that it's in there so frequently means that we should pay attention to this. Throughout Scripture, we are told, do not be afraid. Gabriel spoke this before Jesus was born. And then in the days of Jesus' death and resurrection, the angel spoke it to the women who were at the empty tomb. Clearly, these are two crucial moments in the life of Christ. And I think we should pay attention not just to these moments, 
but to the words that were spoken in these moments. It encourages me when I'm thinking about and praying about all the things that I could possibly worry about that happened in my life. It encourages me when I'm confronted with being afraid. However, reading and hearing these words and living them out are two totally different things. A couple of weeks ago, Virginia Beth and I were home alone, and we have the security system that allows you to see who's at your front door with the camera. And I received a notification at 1.44 in the morning that somebody was out there or something was out there, that the camera went off. And so the text alert woke me up, and I was feeling quite uneasy. Immediately, I was laying there, and I was thinking, did I lock my car? Is there somebody out there? Where are my keys? Did I lock the front door? Who could that be? Why would anybody knock on my door at 1.44 in the morning? And all of these just thoughts ran through my head. Well, my heart started racing just a little bit, thinking about Virginia Beth being across the house and how if I went to go check on her, I was going to have to pass this door and see maybe who might be standing there. But I didn't do any of that. I looked to see on my app if I could see who was in the camera, and I couldn't get into my app because, of course, I couldn't remember my password. And so my only option was to wait until I could contact Rhett, who was not with us, to see if maybe he could get into his app and check to see who was at my front door. Well, I did what most people do, you know, when it's the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you can't fix any problems that you have, and I turned on HGTV. <laughs> it was comforting, nothing too heavy. So I could watch it and kind of rest my mind and I kept thinking and then I waited for an appropriate time to text, 4.30 in the morning seemed appropriate for me, and asked Red if he could possibly tell me who was on our camera so early in the morning. Well, to my surprise and relief, it wasn't a person, it was a big spider, literally sitting over the entire camera. And so every time it moved, it would send me a notification. How silly did I feel that I spent two hours sitting there, fearfully thinking about the imminent danger that we were in, of the same creature that taught me about perseverance. To be completely honest, I was a little embarrassed. As a minister, what do we do? We preach, have faith over fear. We suggest prayer in times of uncertainty. And we're constant reminders for all of you and us to trust God in all circumstances. And here I sat, and I let my circumstances and my lack of control over what was happening scare me. Today's scripture reading, the psalmist gives us instructions for what to do when we're afraid. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all of my fears. What scares you? What makes you afraid? Ironically, I'm actually not afraid of spiders. I am, however, afraid of the dark. And I, I can prove that. You don't want to see that side of me. It gets really kind of ugly. Like, so if you ever want to tempt that and scare me, jump out in a dark room or, you know, spook me when I don't know you're coming, and you will see a very unattractive side of me. But I won't apologize because I've already told you, so if you do it, you kind of get, get that response. I don't want to be the person who's paralyzed by fear. 
I don't want to be the person who is angry or unsettled by that which we don't control and don't know what's happening. When we're in this state of mind, we do not make good decisions. Our behavior is probably less becoming, and it's just not a great place to be. I want to be the person of God who responds with gratitude, who responds like Jesus would, so that my response in my life speaks to a strength in my faith, speaks to confidence in Christ, and not that which I can just see or touch or know to be true. I want to seek the Lord more in deeper ways so that when these times happen, I'm already ready. I'm already prepared. My first response isn't HGTV. I mean, did I pray that night? Yes, I did. Eventually I did. But it wasn't my first response. And I found myself disappointed in me. Because at some point in the darkness, the Lord caught my heart and reminded me to come to Him. Don't get me wrong. I did go through the house, flip on every single light, inside and out, to make sure my perpetrator knew that I was awake. What was I going to do? But what I was doing was I was relying on my own understanding of the situation. And why do we do that? Why do we rely on our own understanding instead of trusting in God's understanding of what's going on? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not pieces, but all, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Trusting God first and not relying on our own understanding makes this world a better place to be. We have a Wednesday afternoon Bible study, and we have been looking at and studying the spiritual practices, prayer, meditation, different. There's a list of them. And they're called practices for a reason. I think all of us, when we had this conversation, felt so much better about the fact that these are not things that we already have to know. It's not you come into this place and you've got these things all figured out and you, it's a practice. It's something that you continually do, you continually build on, you continually work on. And what that does is it takes the pressure off, right? You don't have to know all of these things. You don't have to know how to be the most perfect prayer. You don't have to know how to meditate in the best way because it's something that you can practice through your daily walk with Christ. And being a Christian means that every single day, that's what we do. We find ways to grow. We find ways to practice walking with the Lord. And in doing so, I think what we do is we witness to others. We witness to others who say, hey, why are you so calm? I know what's going on in your life, and you can't be that calm. And then they open the door and ask for that moment where you can say, it's all God. It's the Spirit of the Lord that I pray to come upon me because I know my circumstances are tough right now but I still need to witness to who I say I am, which is a child of God. Do you ever feel like you're waiting for that time in your Christian walk where things get easy? I used to think that I would arrive. I would just get there one day and I would become this Christian and everything would just kind of settle in and we'd go on cruise. But it's not that way at all. I think the whole 
Christian life is about that ebb and flow of rest and run. It's about growing and seeking and searching and that part of it. And then it's about resting and preparing and getting ready for what's coming. And this is just the ebb and flow of the Christian life. I believe when we seek a life that reflects a life like Jesus, then we do witness to others our strength and our confidence and where it comes from, that it doesn't come from us. And this is life-giving. This offers hope in a world where there are so many people wondering what we have to hope for. And you get to be that. You get to be that light in the world that brings that hope out to God's people. You get to bring the peace that passes all understanding and teach what it looks like to walk with God's strength and God's presence in your life. Throughout the whole Psalm of 34, the writer makes it clear that we need to depend on God, that it is not just God working in our lives, but that we depend on God. And that when we do, we give God our fears, we give God our insecurities, we give God our hopes and dreams. And that together, we get to participate in this relationship and in this world to make it a more wonderful place to be. In addition, the psalmist also says that they want to be an example That all of this work and all of this growth and all of this knowledge is not to be kept for themselves. But they do this so that they might be an example in the world. And seeking God and living out this life and becoming that example in the world, it's not that difficult. It just takes effort. And it takes discipline. And it takes a daily check-in with God, with one another, building relationships so that we can go and be the body of Christ beyond these walls and in this community. What's significant to me that I find um, the psalmist used the word simple, that, that the act of submission, that how we get to this place is that we submit. And when we submit all of these things to God, that we, we do so in obedience. And then we find ourselves in this place of blessing because of that obedience. And submission seems like something that is so hard. But it doesn't equate to easy. Simple and easy are not the same thing. But submitting is faithfulness. Offering your heart to God, offering your fears to God, offering your life to God, that is about being faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And when we find encouragement from the psalmist in this verse that we read today, we can share that with others. We can relinquish our fears to God. And we know that God will meet us in that very place that we are. And it's not the same place as your neighbor, and it's not the same place as your family, and it's not the same place as maybe somebody you work with. But God loves you so much that he will meet you exactly where you are. I think sometimes we do get wrapped up in kind of what's required of us. You know, if I do this study, and if I go to church, and if I belong to this group, and if I pray all the time, and if I serve in this way, it's kind of... These are the things that I can do to grow in my relationship with the Lord and with the people that I'm in community with. And I think sometimes we forget that God is doing all of this on behalf of us. That God is doing all of this so that we can be in relationship with Him. And that we get to participate in what God is doing. Because God does not need us to accomplish anything. I think I've said that a hundred times up here. Because He doesn't. 
but we get invited into that holy work of the Lord's presence in our lives and in the lives of those around us, and we get to participate. I wonder if we truly understand how special that is, that the Lord would want to be in partnership with us, that the Lord would want to invite us into everything that was happening so that we could get the benefit, we can get the blessing, and we can experience the joy of what that means. The question is, do we accept the invitation? Do we set aside what we think is best to spend time with Jesus? Or do we do what we think is best? Do we surround ourselves with people who don't necessarily think like us so that we can broaden our perspective and learn in the process? Do we fear listening and responding to the Holy Spirit because we think we might have a better plan? Throughout this week, I spent time reading about fear. It's fascinating when you can get into the different articles and how different people perceive and believe fear. And the Hebrew word for fear is yirah. And it means both to fear and to see. The word directly translates into fear, but can also mean respect and reverence. This gave me reason to pause and think about how I consider my fears. Do I allow my fears to teach me how to see things differently? Can I have respect for that which scares me? I've already admitted I don't like the dark, and I have plenty of reasons that substantiate this fear. One is I have five brothers, and they would... I wrote my sister after the 9.30 service, and I'm like, don't you remember when the boys tortured us? They would do things like hide behind a door in a dark room, and when you came in, scream, and then, you know, you lose everything in your hands. They would, and this is so true, they would wait for us to go to sleep because we were younger, so we had to go to bed first. And then they would come in our dark room, and they would put up like a face mirror in front of our face and then wake us up. Okay, well, I mean, like, you would be scared no matter whose face was that close. But, of course, it was your own face. So they're like, yeah, scares me too. Not nice. No, it's not nice. I went to school at night, college at night, had to walk through dark parking lots. Didn't like that. I just don't like the dark. But I believe that my fear with the dark is because of my over-imaginative mind. I create these things that don't exist, just like I did that sleepless night when the spider was sitting on my camera and I was convinced there were people outside my door. Additionally, in my reading this week, a lot of it was about how fear hinders our spiritual growth. I've come to understand that sometimes our fears actually reveal to us what it is that we must submit to God. So acknowledging what they are and then releasing them and then watching God work in these places and renew our hearts and our minds and our spirit so that we can become more the people God's created us to be and go do the things God's calling us to do. If we will allow it, we can use our fears to understand God's compassion and kindness and sovereignty in ways that we probably never had before. When we say we love and trust the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, do we believe it? When we cite Jeremiah 29, 11, and we say that we know the Lord has plans for us, plans for us to prosper, do we believe it? 
Do our lives reflect this in a way that other people can see God's presence and God's calm and our trust and our faithfulness in the world around us? I have no idea what God's plan is for me. Right now, this is it. But I don't want to be so knotted up when he calls me that I can't even hear him. I want to know that God's presence is guiding my steps and my actions and that I'm living into the plan that's been set for me. So how can we change our approach to trusting God? Again, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it out. This is the question, right? We want to live without worry. There is so much going on in this world that can cause us to worry. And if we're not careful, we can use up all of our energy concerning ourselves with the things we're not supposed to be handling and thinking about and worrying about, that we have nothing left to give God when it's time for us to move, when it's time for us to respond and answer God's call. I don't want to be exhausted when God calls me into action. So how do we move forward? How do we leave this sanctuary today and go into our lives and find new ways to live in relationship with one another. Find new ways to witness to the Lord's strength so that our fears are not what hold us, but our faith is what triumphs over them. Personally, I think that it begins with working our patch. This is a phrase that Chuck uses, and it's taught us so much about. He'll say, work your patch. You just work your patch and you'll be fine. Because your patch is what God is calling you to do. Not your neighbor, not your family, not your friends, but you. And if you work your patch, then you are fulfilling God's call in your life. For me to work my patch, I am fulfilling the ministry and the mission of this church. And not just this church, but the church in the world. Working my patch means that I'm not concerning myself with something that may or may not happen one day. It's concerning myself with what's happening today. It's living in the now. Do you have a defined patch? I think we all do. And I think part of our everyday Christian walk is discerning what God's will is for us, what God's patch has been defined for us, and knowing what that is, understanding what it is that we do in that space. Right now, I know I am called to serve this church and my family and each of you. And I love that patch. Reverend Dr. Gary Whetstone was the district superintendent over this church and several in our area for a while. And I remember him at one of our meetings that we had checking in. He said, when you preach, give the church something to respond to. He was helping me. I was new and I was asking questions. And so sometimes I stand up here and I feel like I'm a walking infomercial because I'm always sharing something going on or something we can do or something coming up. But I think that's part of my patch. As the minister of program, I hope every person in here knows what's going on. I hope you know where you want to connect and where you want to be and people who will serve with you. I hope when you leave this place, you go out and you share all of that with the people that you talk to that might not have been here today. But today I am going to share some things because I think it's part of the story. Martha held up the first look. This book is really amazing. I mean, they, Kayla and Amelia did such an awesome job, and everybody on staff contributed to how awesome this is. 
And this book will give you the information you need. It will tell you what's going on, when it's happening, who you can reach out to, who can help you answer questions, who can help you get connected. It's all of those things that we all desire. And if you're already connected, then you can be first look on feet (laughs) and you can get others connected and make them feel welcome so that as we come together as the body of Christ, we have this place. You might have heard about Chili Night. It looks like the old icy image, if you've seen it on our website or in the bulletin. Chili Night is going to be a very fun night on August 11th where everybody can come. It's not just for kids, unless you're, you know, 99-year-old child. But everybody can come. And if you ever wondered how to get around this church, have you ever wondered where the children's wing is? Have you ever had to go there with children or grandchildren or friends' children and not known how? This chilly night takes you all around the building and it allows you to go to spaces you didn't even know existed and meet people that you didn't know were here. But it's our way of being invitational and welcoming and letting everybody get to meet as many people as you want to. And Martha reminded me, there's a frozen treat maybe if you come and that's where we got the name chilly night. But really, it's just an opportunity. We, we, we're trying so hard to be invitational so that we don't have to hear someone say, I don't know where to belong. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to connect. So it is, it is my patch to share these things. Tending my patch means inviting you to be a part of small groups, a part of a Bible study. Tending my patch means encouraging you to strengthen your relationship with God and one another. Tending my patch means inviting you to pour into our children who are so much fun and they love people who invest in them and you get so much more out of it than they do. Tending my patch means inviting you to serve a meal or Wednesday night supper. Meet your church family. What's tending your patch look like? What's God calling you to? Like I said, you're probably already doing it. And we're grateful for that. But I pray that in the coming days and weeks and months, you will be just as excited as we are to figure out where your patch is, to invite people to it, to grow, and to get to know some folks. This place can be intimidating sometimes. It's big. We have a big church. The building is big. Our group is big. Our family is big. But intimidation can sometimes look like fear. And the psalmist gave us a remedy for that. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So give it all to God and let God meet you where you are and be blessed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Get it.